just got back from Cannes Film Festival, which is, we mentioned this on Without a Mic, bonkers. Like, how did, what, how? I don't, I don't get it. So, I don't know. I just want to catch up real quick, and then we'll dive into what we're going to talk about. But how have you been? How are things going? I'm really good. Um, I'm actually, so yeah, I just went to Cannes. Um, I am moving to LA for two months on Friday. So I'm kind of all over the place right now. I'm packing a lot. I just got back from Little Mermaid. Um, so I'm like pretty emotional. <laughs> Talk to me. Talk to me. What did you what did you think? And give it to me real. Give it to me real. What did like, you think? It had its flaws, but like I can't help but love it because it's so nostalgic to me. And like that movie, that character just like means like so much to little Leah. And I actually I found this um uh thing in my closet. Um, oh, here it is. The suspense. What is this? Oh, my! An OG. By the way, she's holding up an OG princess crown with Ariel on it. Where did you get this? Disneyland back in 2004 or something? Probably, honestly. Um, Yeah, so, like, Little Mermaid has always been my favorite. And it was just magical. I mean, honestly, I was pretty disappointed by Lynn's songs. And I know we talked about this. That, oh. that was like my hope for the movie but um the original wait just... so what what were you disappointed in like all of them or did you like the... listen to one and you're like ah this just did not work like scuttles like song and the random ariel song where she's like in her head um i was not oh, a yeah, fan yeah, yeah. i thought it was really awkward and a little cringe to be honest um so i I liked Prince Eric's song, but I didn't like the choreography with his song. So it felt it felt like he just didn't know what to do with himself. He's like, I don't, yeah, well, I'm not doing anything, but like going to a corner of the wall and like standing there up tall and saying, I'm going to sing. And I'm like, that's great, man. The song's awesome. I just wish there was something more substantial to you running your heart out onto yeah, a boat yes. and then running back to the island. I just, that was the one part I didn't feel connected to. No, I get that. It reminded me a lot of... The Beauty and the Beast live action song Evermore with the Beast. Um, mm, yes. That was, it was very similar in terms of like the song and the running around the castle situation. So, okay. Um, but I did like the song. I thought it was powerful, I guess. Um, okay. What but... was the biggest pro and the biggest con? And no comparison to the original film, just like straight up with this film. What was the biggest pro and con to it? Biggest con was it was a little hard to suspend my disbelief at the beginning just because you kind of had to get used to the live actionness of it so okay the like the the crab and and um and flounder and like sebastian flounder and scuttle was a little and kind of the water looking like a little cgi those were those were the cons i guess and then and then lynn's songs it made me cringe a little bit and then Damn, and that was one of your highest anticipations, know, right? Was Lynn, it, Lynn's mean, songs? Honestly, like I wonder how much of it was really him and how much of it was like swayed by I don't know, other of other factors. But I know how much it meant to him to like work on this because he always talked how, about how Little Mermaid was like his movie that made him want to make music. Um and then the pro was Halle Bailey. Like she was I thought their chemistry was also really good. Like I really felt the emotion between them yeah and it's funny because yeah. she kind of didn't act a ton yeah, like I, but yeah 
but I she know. was like a great presence, you know? It's funny because I, I put in my review, I don't know if I'll see her in like massive roles after this, but regardless, she was so perfect for this role. Like, I don't know what is going to happen. I hope she gets more roles, but she spent probably a third of this movie not speaking. She just used a lot of expressions, a lot of verbal expressions. And I found that so intriguing, but she was really composed. She did a great job. She felt natural too. It wasn't like, I can talk, but I'm not going to, you know, you kind of felt that, that disconnect from reality, which was good. No, definitely. And I think she, I think the casting was more, let's cast someone who has literally the essence of a princess or the, just the aura of this -hmm. character instead of maybe the acting and her voice is just like perfect so good oh my it's so good it's so good and did you see oh wait wait what would you rate it then one out of ten if you had to one out of ten you could use 0.5 you can you can mess with it let's go well it also depends like i liked this a lot more than all the other live actions so okay but like overall i'd say like a 7.5 Okay. Yeah, 7.5. Maybe. Yeah, I think I I I think I was like in that 7.2 range. Yeah, I I feel very similar. I thought it was enjoyable, it was entertaining. You know what's funny is The Little Mermaid from 1989. It's so it's a classic and it's so reputable, but it's not like a great film, you know, but it's so nostalgic and charming and people love it. And I felt like this one was right in that alley. This isn't like an Academy Award winning film, but it's so enjoyable and it has that same yeah. Same vibe, you know, that same classic Disney princess vibe that you want to see in a live action remake. So I thought they did a good job. I, I kind of got what I expected. For sure. And, you know, I was at the theater and there were little girls dressed up as Eric. Like, it was just, you know, it had the the nostalgia and the magic and the excitement from the first one. And I, don't, I cried like four times. I'm not going to lie. Like, really? <laughs> yes. Like it really, Whoa. it really gets me like Let's this go. kind of, I mean, I think I mentioned before on your other podcast, but like Disney is big for me and my family. And so any of these live action remakes, no matter the actual quality of the cinema or the style, I can't help but like really like them because it just hits me deep. So no, that's. I think that's fair. And you're also for anybody you know listening who doesn't know Leah, you're a theater kid at yes, heart, right? Yes. Like th- this is this is your your everyday niche. This is your bread and butter. So I think going to a movie, hearing great great performances, yeah, you know, that some touchy things could have been changed. You know, I don't <laughs> sure. know if I want a sequel rapping, but at the same time, Aquafina <laughs> was great as that character. So we'll we'll let it slide. You know, we'll let it slide on a. On another, I guess this wasn't animated, but on another animated note, before we kind of dive in, did you see Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse? Not yet. I'm, I haven't seen it yet. This is, I mean, it's very anticipated. My brother-in-law is like obsessed. It's his favorite movie, the first one. And apparently the second one is the highest rated movie on Letterboxd at the moment. And so I am dying to see it. Um, that's the next, that's the next one. For me. What did yeah. you did you like the first one? Yes, I did. It wasn't like okay, especially like I don't know. It didn't like uh, shock me or anything. Like it, but I, I did enjoy it. Like I thought it was really unique and new. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for the second one. Okay, yeah, I think um, 
I think this has the potential to be one of the greatest trilogies ever made. And I'm talking about an animated franchise. I'm not an animated person. I don't watch animated film. Like, I will, but it's not my first choice. Mm-hmm. These two movies right. are really good. I think you're right. I I, these two movies are really good. Like, this is one of the few, few sequels ever made that surpasses an incredibly ambitious and well-received first film. So... Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for you to see it. Hear what you think. I'm debating. Like, ma- I might make a mini like podcast episode and just like review this, so I could talk about it. Maybe do a live action or a um, Spider-Man movie ranking or something. Yeah, we'll yeah, for sure. Yo, so first of all, now I can officially say welcome. You know, welcome Leah to the podcast. Uh, for you. anybody who doesn't know me or Leah, we both love movies. There you go. So Leah, um, Leah started following me on TikTok. And because I make I make movie updates, movie content on TikTok, and TikTok I got to know that yourself. You're huge on TikTok. <laughs> Film update time. Let's get right into it. Um, so, <laughs> so my I got to know Leah and learn that she's in film school. She just went to Cannes Film Festival. I will say one thing I don't know about you is what do you want to do in film i mean what are you truly wanting to do i know you're going to school you're probably building your way up through internships and trying to get like a lot of experience but what is maybe the current end game for you so this is the this is the question that i've been getting a lot (laughs) obviously um honestly i don't know i i guess i originally wanted to be an actress when i was younger and that's still like potentially in the dream but doesn't sound like a very appealing lifestyle to me. Um, what about it? Like just, just the, the fame, the like late no, nights, no, no, no. like the... like the before, like before that stage, just the instability and I don't know. It's kind of a one in a million thing in a way, mm-hmm. and I don't know in my life right now if I would be like okay with that lifestyle. Um, but probably like producing is kind of what I want to do at the moment. I've interned or what I'm doing right now is like interning at production companies. That's kind of the main thing I've been doing. Um, and just kind of learning how stuff gets made, stuff gets from script to screen. And I don't know, I, I made a short film this year, um, for school. Hell yeah. And it was so fun. And I really liked being, I was the DP and also like co-directing. So I really liked being behind the camera and I also acted in it like a little bit, but I like working with actors a lot. So Directing sounds like a really big responsibility, though, that I don't know if I would want to do that because um, that's just – you're just consumed by Wait, I got to pause. I got to ask you something, okay? Because okay? I have no answer. when. Because So currently, in a very weird, small, unique, I don't know how it came to be role, I am producing a feature film. Yes. People ask, like, hey, so what is it like being a producer? And I'm like, I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea. I, I could not tell you. So – What's just, what's some insight? You you obviously are interning or working or involved with a production company. Are you are you seeing something where you're like, oh, that's kind of a niche to producing that I didn't realize? Or like, what can you uncover anything that we don't know? I guess so. I haven't started my internship this summer, but last summer, one thing I learned is that it just takes so much time to get from, like I said, a script to even beginning. The process like the development process is really long depending I guess it depends on the film but like for a lot of for the majority it okay takes a lot of rewriting and giving notes and 
figuring out all the moving pieces just because there's so much. And when I did my short film, I guess the biggest thing for me was it took so much effort and work to figure out a schedule that would work, especially being in school. Like people have all different schedules and that took Mm -hmm. so much time and planning out shots and all that stuff. Um, So I guess the biggest thing is it just takes a lot of time um, for every single piece. And what sucks about that is like the story itself already takes so much time to even conceptualize, to bring to the paper, to write down, to revise yourself. And then you get to a point where you're like, hey, I'm ready to make this. And then, you know, whoever it is, whether it's a studio or other collaborators, like, hey, by the way, we need you to rewrite this or we need to change this chunk or oh, that just it's very it's very patient. I don't know. The only reason that I, I'm, I don't know much about that world. I, this is why I love talking to people like you, but I'm working on a short film and it is like the most mind numbing process because <laughs> you get to a point where you're stuck and then you get to a point where you're like, how do I, how do I get this on? Like, I need this emotion in the script and I don't know how to get it. How do I get it there? So it's really cool that you're doing that and you're going to LA. Are you working on a, like a studio lot? Are you at one of the, the big studios? Yes. Yeah, so I'm working for a subsidiary of Paramount. So I'll be on the Paramount lot, which is kind of a dream come true just because like that logo and that, you know, front of the lot is kind of an iconic thing. So I'm very excited. Um, I'm also working with a friend of mine who went to Cannes with me. So we're both really excited and also nervous because last summer was kind <laughs> of like a little bit of an intro. I did quite a lot of things for this producer that I worked for, but it was pretty low stakes. Whereas this summer I'm really going to be like reading scripts and giving feedback and things like that. So yeah. So is Paramount, is Paramount the, the one in Babylon? Is that like the little lot that you see? I think so. At the end of the film? I think so. I don't know. Honestly, I, th- I might be wrong. Well, it is. I think it is a Paramount movie, so that's why I was like, "Is it? Is that the lot at the end?" Have you Have you seen the show Hollywood on Netflix? Yes, yes, I love that show. Yeah, so that show, I I will say, if anybody is remotely interested in like movie making, watch Hollywood oh because goodness. I think that you'll kind of fall in love even more, even though it's super dramatized. For and, sure, for sure. I don't know. It just it it really speaks to your love language of film if you like movies. So that's so good. Um, yes. Okay. This is what we're going to do. So I I mentioned this. It's so funny. I made another episode. This will actually be my first episode. So I'm kind of like backtracking on how to actually announce this. Your first episode? Well, yeah. So I I recorded one last week, but this will be published as the first episode. So yeah, there you go. I'm so honored. First, first episode (laughs) on after, after credits. I don't even know how to say the name. That's a good title too. What a good title. Do you like it? Yes. How'd you come up with it? So... Yo, good question. So we do a boy- <laughs> we do like these boys' night movie nights every Wednesday, and what typically happens is we'll all meet together after work, a few of my close friends, and we'll chat about like, okay, like what kind of vibe are we in? What movie do we want to watch? And we really just hone in and we agree on one, and then we watch it. And what happens is every time, every time we are so good at watching the movie, like no interaction, no like distracting mm-hmm. each other. And then once the credits start rolling, so the after credits, mm-hmm. we delve into the deepest conversations, <laughs> just the most real conversations about, I love that. you know, when we watched Inception, it was like unraveling Ooh. an onion that never ended, you know, and you're crying because of the onion as well. So you're just crying and having these deep conversations. And that's, I, I originally was like, yo, we need to start just like setting up a microphone to record ourselves <laughs> after we have these, your discussions. For sure. And then 
I was originally going to name this the Film Update Time podcast because this is kind of like a, an attachment to that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, I don't really feel like in love with that name. But after credits, I did. So I was like, well, oh, we can mix so it good. too. It's a great we'll title. Thank you. Yeah. So welcome. Um, a big thing because it is tied with Film Update Time is every episode I'm going to share one little bit of news that I have come across in that day. So today's news that I came across that I found interesting. Um, so Beetlejuice 2 has begun filming, and Michael Keaton kind of opened up about it. He opened up about filming Beetlejuice once again, and he said that him and Tim Burton had been planning this for years, and they had never told anybody, but they came to this agreement. They said, hey, we're going to make this film. At some point, we're going to make it. But we need to make it exactly the same process that we made the first one. Like the way that they their entire production was wow. set up, the way they wrote it, the way that they they kind of humanized the character of Beetlejuice, but also like put a comedic element to it. They're like, we want to do that. And he said so far, he said it's the funnest time he's had filming a project in the long he, he genuinely said something along the lines of longer than I can remember. Something like that, oh. where he's just having a really fun time. So Beetlejuice 2, we're underway, we're underway. That's crazy, it's been so long. Yes, it has been a long, I think 1992, Whoa. maybe? That's why. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time. <laughs> so, I brought Leon because you went to Cannes Film Festival, you saw some of the biggest movies of the year, you were around some of the biggest people in the film world. Um, I kind of want to get the scoop though, so what we're going to do, we're going to do a ranking of the movies that you watched. I know that... There's probably stipulations and limitations, and you couldn't go to the movies that you may have wanted to, but I am intrigued to get your ranking of the screenings that you went to. But before I do that, I want to know, tell me, like, paint this picture for me. What is Cannes Film Festival? It's very taboo. I feel like people love to hear about it, but they don't know what it's like or that energy. So share it. Break the news. Just overall. Yeah, just overall, what are you walking into? What's it like? What's the, you know, are you okay. close? To, were you in an Airbnb close by? What was it? You know, just paint the picture. Okay. So, first I'll start with how I got there, which it's a program through my school. Extremely lucky that we have that. I think it's like one of a few schools have this specific program where we basically just get to go and watch movies. Some other schools get, go and have to work um, at like the American Pavilion. Uh, which I'll kind of explain later, but it's basically just like a pavilion where they have screenings and info and stuff like that. But we just get to go and watch movies. So we were staying <laughs> at the this like school, basically. It was kind of like dorms. Um, it was, you know, 15-minute walk into town. And it's just, honestly, without the festival, it's a quaint, like, town on the south of France. Um it's very European. It's the city of Cannes, right? Yes, it's the city it, of Cannes. Cannes is a city. Yes, it's okay, a city. Okay. Um, it's yeah, it's right on the coast, so there is beaches and uh, marina where a bunch of yachts um, <laughs> that belong to all the the wealthy people and the celebs. And <laughs> basically, every wait. Year, so, do oh, they stay on like the water? Do they, is that where they stay? They stay um, on these yachts, not, or is not that everyone, more for party? Everyone, it's just it's that was kind of a joke. It's more like there's people who park it there, and then um, Monaco F1 was right after, so they like go right there after. It's just you know, I guess they kind of cruise around this time of year. It's okay. beautiful. So it's basically they set up the film festival. 
um, two weeks at the end of May every year or during May at some point. And it kind of transforms the town, lots of tourists, and it's beautiful. The weather is great. And basically, there's just a bunch of movies that are being shown all around the town. So there's the main theater, the Grand Lumiere, which is where all the premieres happen. And that's where you see the red carpet photos. And there's a big red carpet. Um, and the premieres are basically every night for all the movies that are in competition. So there's a few different competitions, which I'll talk about. But there's basically the main competition, which is competing for the Palme d'Or. And then there's a few other ones that are director's fortnight um, in, certain re- in certain regard, which means like a certain glance. And then there's a critics week. So there's a few different competitions and they all are competing for prizes that are given at the end. And yeah, um, I guess. And Triangle of Sadness won the Palm, what so, is yes. it? The Palm? The Palm d'Or. So Triangle of yeah, Sadness won, won last, it last year. year. Yes. And Ruben Did you Ausland. See the movie that one? This year or what i didn't i didn't i didn't see the movie that one this year but there's other there's like a second and third essentially prizes and i saw those two um okay so yeah i'll talk about those but ruben osland was the president of the jury this year the director of triangle of sadness and two actors american actors who are on the jury which is basically the team of people that decides on these winners um, it's comprised of like directors and filmmakers and actors usually from around the world. But the two were Brie Larson and Paul Dano. So oh, really, Dano. Tried, really tried to find Paul Dano in Cannes and I did not succeed. But it's okay. I saw him walking near me. So that was enough. Um, Loki, like dare I say, Loki, one of the best actors we have today. He just agreed. doesn't get cast in, in these massive roles. Like... He is so good. So good. I mean, yeah, one of the best, genuinely. Okay, I, ha- I have to ask. Yes. So what would you say was the biggest movie that premiered outside of the main area? Like outside of the main screening where, you know, the the big screenings would happen. Mm-hmm. What would you say was the biggest movie or TV project that, you know, premiered? So probably A Strange Way of Life, the Pedro Almodovar film with Pedro Pascal and Ethan Hawke. That was in the theater right next to the Grand Lumiere. And okay. I did go to that. Um, I waited quite a while for that one. And it kind of got pretty hectic. Pedro wasn't there, which was a big bummer. Um, but Ethan was there and Almovadar was there. And they did like a and a afterwards. So that was cool. Um, I'll go through this when I go through my ranking. But I was disappointed really yes. oh no. so i know it's only so it's 31 minutes which i knew going in i think some people did not know that going in so they were like what i just waited forever for a 31 minute movie yep um but still the experience of being in the room was amazing and i will say like a lot of these I'm, i tried to rank objectively by like the film but a lot okay. of these were just amazing experiences that i like i won't ever have again and so that definitely swayed my decision sometimes. But I tried to, how many, to not. How many movies did you watch each day? Every day I saw at least, well, I saw at least one a day, but it, it, it was usually around two or three movies. So I saw okay. 24 in total. <laughs> 24. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm, in my head, I'm like, yeah, she saw like 15. No, she saw 24. Yeah. Fuck. I saw 24. Okay. Yeah. We don't, I'm um, going to go through all of them because some of them, I, some of them I slept 
during a good chunk of the movie, so I can't really talk about it like um, eloquently. Objectively. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> um, and some of them I just like, I don't know, they're just kind of random, but okay. I'll go through most, okay. I guess. So what do you, what do we have? 15, 20? What, what's our number? What's our like top, what's our worst, you know, worst uh, of this list? Let's go. Well, I mean. Should we do top 10? Yeah, let's do top. T- I I honestly I did top ten, so let's do top. 10. Okay, that's that's perfect. Are there any big movies that are not on the top ten that are worth mentioning yes. right now before we delve into the top ten? Yes. So one, two that are three that are not in my top ten, which I think I'm oh. gonna be a little surprised. So Strange Way of Life is one of them. Okay, that that doesn't surprise me. Um, but tell me why. What what didn't work? What didn't work with so, this movie? Since it was so quick, I think it was a little hard. First of all, it was a little hard to see past. Pedro Pascal in this moment because I think everyone in the room was like so excited and expecting him and it felt for me that like the dialogue was a little too exposed like there was so much exposition because it's so quick and so it felt a little forced the acting felt a little forced okay and yeah just overall the story just felt a little forced and it was interesting hearing Almovadar talk about it afterward um, because he he really wanted to like emphasize the Western and the Western is not dead and it's still thriving and living. And it felt like it felt like a modern Western story. Um, and it was definitely portrayed that way. And I didn't I didn't hate it as much as some of my friends did, but it was definitely like I'm watching Pedro Pascal and Ethan Hawke like be in love in a movie. And it, it couldn't really get past like the the surface, I guess. Like, did it feel like you noticed them acting? Like, you know, it wasn't like an organic. Oh, they actually feel in love, or they like? Did they feel in love? Like, did did they sell that? It's it's kind of hard because I can't really like give away the story. It's kind of hard okay, to describe. Okay. It's not. It's not like a love story. Like it's it's pretty dark, honestly, and like kind of violent, like like a western is. Um, uh-huh. And because it was so quick, the ending was like, like it just felt pretty abrupt to me. Um, so yeah, that's okay. my strange way of life. On strange way Maybe, of life. Did, do we know if that's going to get like purchased by Apple or something? Did, have they said anything about that? I do not know, actually. Okay. Um, does it? Does it? You tell me which which streamer just feels perfect for this movie. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> I guess well Hmm. That's a hard question. I actually don't know. Okay. Okay. I we'll leave it at that. I mean I mean Apple surprised me. They they bought Ghosted and you know we I, know. I have I still to this day never watched that because I just never wanted to. Oh, okay. So Sony yeah. got the rights to Strange Wave Life. So I think Oh nice. Okay. It, it might be I mean it might just show in theaters for a while and then go on I don't know, something. Okay, Strange Way of Life. What else? What else do we have outside of the top 10? Okay, we also have, sad face, Indiana Jones is not in my top 10. I I heard this. I heard this. Yeah. I have not delved into all the... Number, it's literally number 11 or 12 on my list, probably, but it's not in my top 10. That also could be swayed by the experience, because that was probably the craziest night that I had there. Really? Yes, because... Harrison Ford walked like five feet in front of me and I will never forget that for the rest of my life. Um, Wait, so are you saying that made it better? Like that made, that might've 
pushed a 20 the film facts, up to 11. Well, I was like crying when I got in the theater because I cannot believe we had made it in to the premiere. And it was me and my friend and we were sitting together and they gave this whole award. They gave him an honorary Palme d'Or. It was really special. It was like so moving. He gave a speech. They showed a whole montage of his career and gave him that award. He was crying. Everyone was crying. Like it was just very moving and special. And then they were like, here's the movie. And they showed the movie and it was so exciting. And I don't know. It wasn't it wasn't disappointing at all. Like it, it was what I expected it to be. It was very predictable and like, but super fun and enjoyable. And Phoebe Waller bridge was like perfectly cast in my opinion. Like I think okay. she was a great choice for this movie. Um, so if there's any doubts about that, like those can be squashed because I think she's really good in it. Indiana Jones is so it's interesting. Cause it kind of falls in line with that star Wars, Harry Potter, you know, these like classic franchises, even, uh, What's what's like another one? Jurassic Park, yeah, like yeah. those those. It falls in these like classic categories for sure. Where I I think the nostalgic element of those categories should be left alone. Like I think we Absolutely. should just like we shouldn't have made Jurassic Worlds. We should not have made <laughs> new Indiana Jones movies. Nor should we have made new Star Wars movies for that matter. And I know it's a business and it's not going to happen. I know, I know, I know, I know. That's my disagreement right there. <laughs> Um, I like I like Mandalorian. I like these kind of side projects, but then they get into Boba Fett and Obi Wan Kenobi, and they disappoint me. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a diehard Star Wars fan, but I am a Star Wars fan. I like Star Wars. I like I like the the nostalgia of um, like the classics and even the prequels. I know they're dumped on, but I liked those movies. You know, one, two, and three. They have so many flaws, but for <laughs> a Star Wars franchise, come on. Uh, by the way, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, is what Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is being related to quite often. Like, oh. that same, the same vibe that that movie had on A New Hope is what this movie has on the first Spider-Man. Wow, Spider that's that's a really interesting comparison. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I will also so say... Indiana so Jones. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, Letterboxd, did you rate this on Letterboxd? Have you rated these movies? I have rated most of them. I forget what I rated this, to be honest. I'm going to look now. Okay. I probably rated it like a three or something. Um, you know what's funny is I think the more movies you just tend to watch, you start to visually and emotionally understand what like a three means. I'm yes. like, oh, yeah, okay. I, I like get it now, you know, or like a three and a half or a four. I, I, oh, yeah. okay. Well, I rated this a four, but this was probably because it was right after I saw it and I was like, very emotional and excited. Um, I think that's worth. That is worth holding on to, though. I, and think, I think people. I will, yeah, I'm not going to change yeah, that. I'm not. People shy away from like, oh, well, my experience was great, but the movie wasn't. It's like, well, if your experience was great, the movie had to be somewhat exactly. decent. No, no, somewhat I fully. I will say this: there are a lot of movies at Cannes that lost my attention, not because they weren't like good. It was just I was so exhausted a lot of the time, and I fell asleep. Like quite a bit not gonna lie which is common like kind of everyone in my program said the same thing but that movie held my attention because I think I was seeing so many artsy films and so many just just non-traditional that you would see at a theater in America in the in the states and it was so commercial and so fun and like you said nostalgic and it was just refreshing to see something like that after I had been sitting in a lot of like movies that are amazing and like so cinematic and 
beautiful and clearly so- took so much time and effort, but sometimes, you know, you appreciate their style more than their actual plot. And this was like extremely plot driven and, and character and it was great. So, yeah. And I think you need that, right? Whenever you go, and even if you're not at a festival and you're like, I'm going to go watch a, you know, low key, low budget independent film. You need the mental headspace for that. You need to for be sure. like locked in. You need to be paying attention. Whereas if you go to, you know, the Little Mermaid, you can truly sit back and enjoy yourself. They're going to exactly. be singing songs. They're going to keep the energy yeah. <laughs> high. The vibe yeah. is there. So that makes complete sense. Okay. So we have the the romance film with Pedro Pascal and Ethan Hawke and then oh, Strange Way of Life. And then we have Indiana Jones. I'm worried about this next one. You, you're giving me a look. Is this Is this one that I anticipated being high? I don't know, but it is... Wes Anderson's own Asteroid no. City. No, no, <laughs> no. I'm so. I, I let me just make an. Let me just make a very clear announcement. I will go into every movie, including Strange Way of Life, very neutral minded. You but should. This is you sad. Should. This is this is sad for my ears. I know. I know. Tell me. Tell me without spoiling. Tell me without spoiling. Okay. To be fair. To be fair. A lot of these movies that are in my top ten, you will probably never see because they are international films and may not get picked up by american distributors which is sad honestly but they're small and they're just like can films and yeah. the and i connected to them more than i did this asteroid city so here's my experience for asteroid city first of all i waited <laughs> this is gonna sound crazy and i've never done anything like this in my life and i will never do it again but I waited 15 hours in line for this movie. My friends and I, I know, my friends and I. That's, that's going to be the caption to, to this episode. I waited 15 hours in line for this movie. That is it. That right there. That is the staple of going to a film festival. Please continue. So essentially how you get into premieres is you can either, like for someone like me, is you can either beg people, which sounds, it has a bad connotation, but it's normal at can. There's a lot of people with like signs outside of premieres because people have extra tickets or they don't want to go for some reason because some people just don't care. Let, let, let me ask. Ed? So you say beg people. Does that mean people yes. do have tickets that they're selling that you you have to buy? Or yeah. is it like you have a pass so you can say, hey, I'm part of this. I just don't have a ticket inside. Like, how does that work? So, yeah. So you're begging people, but they don't sell it to you. They just give it to you because most of these people are you know, very, they're like important people who either don't really care about the movie or have an extra ticket that they were given and it it should be scanned. Like it needs to be scanned because their company or whatever needs to see that they went, you know? Mm, Um, Okay. So that's how we did it for like a lot of the other premieres. And for this one, we really wanted to guarantee because that wasn't guaranteed. My friends and I really wanted to guarantee. So my three friend or my two friends and I waited in this line. We got there at four thirty a.m. Oh my! <laughs> to be fair, I wasn't getting a lot of sleep anyway, so we were kind of like, Meh. so we didn't have to stand in line the whole time. Like there were, you know, we could sit down, we could lay down, like it was fine. Um, that is an experience I will never forget because we met a lot of friends, a lot of random people who are doing their own thing in film, which was really cool. And we waited for this movie. And for me, what I really wanted to see, like, I, I like Wes Anderson films, but this cast is insane. And I was like, I need insane. to be in the theater with them. To, I, I just need to be in the theater with them to see this movie. Like, it was just like, I need to. And so we waited and we got in. 
and I was so tired. I did not fall asleep the whole time, but I will say I was drifting quite a bit, and that is not just because of the movie, obviously. Like I said, I woke up at like 4 a.m., um, <laughs> but... Were you in walking distance, by the way? Were you like, yeah. like down the road that you could just walk over not, to the, the theater? Not down the road. It was like a the bus was super easy to use, so I used that a bunch. And it was like one euro, so that was easy. There's also Uber there. Um, but we walked. It was like a 20-minute walk into town. It's very nice. It's like by the beach. Okay. Like it's super nice. Um, so what I'll say is this cast is just – insane like it's unreal stacked i don't know i can't even think of a movie that's who, like who has the best cast this year so we have because we have asteroid city you have dune part two you have oppenheimer oh my gosh you have, you have barbie barbie's kind of yeah barbie is a good cast yeah maybe the, maybe barbie those three is pretty good barbie has a lot of people in it that are kind of like tucked but, in there i thought i thought you said barbie's really good i was like did you see it did you watch barbie like <laughs> Sorry, a barbie month cast. and a half <laughs> no, 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 no. i wish i wish barbie and oppenheimer were there i don't think they're ready and that's why maybe that's like, my guess yeah well did yeah because you sent me that video from uh what's his name the creator that the uh... yeah guy with a movie camera mm-hmm yeah, and, and Christopher Nolan like yes. looked at the time and he's like, uh, that's a little daunting because it shows us how much work we still have to do in that short amount of right. time. And, and I'm like, knows, what, you still working on this or and, what? And who knows when that was filmed, but but yes, exactly. Um, I think it's just not ready, which was a bummer. I really wanted it to be there. But I'll see that in theaters with everyone else and that's okay. It's a rated R, by the way, Oppenheimer. That's, I mean... I'm, I'm, happy. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy I'm excited. I think this is the first film maybe since Insomnia. I think Insomnia was rated R from wow. Christopher Nolan in 2002 I was going to say like that's that. a long time ago. Yeah, it's a long wow. time ago. He does not go rated R often. Interesting. Okay, well, obviously very excited. Double feature. Okay, I need, you, I need you to blink once if Margot Robbie is the alien and blink twice if she's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving away anything. She's, a, she's actually not blinking. So good job. Okay, we can come. <laughs> we, we, no, no spoilers. We're good. We're good. Okay, so what did no you rate spoilers. this on Letterboxd? What did you rate this? I think I rated it a. Don't 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 do me dirty with this rating. I rated please. it a three. Okay. Okay. Now I will say. For anybody unfamiliar with Wes Anderson, you know, he made Grand Budapest Hotel, The French Dispatch, Isle of Dogs, Moonrise Kingdom. He is a very, very, and overemphasized the word very, particular niche to his films. He's very artistic. He's very frame-oriented, color-driven. He has this very pastel-oriented palette that he uses in every film. That's like, that's just his thing. So I think that you... I don't know how this is. I don't know how good this movie is or how bad this movie is. But I think going into it, at least understand this is not an Oppenheimer. This is not a Barbie. This is not an Indiana Jones. This is a very different type of movie, I would imagine. Definitely. And the, you know, the colors, they shine through. His style is just so, so there, obviously. And that is really the, the most enticing part of this movie, I think. And the cast, obviously. The plot slash, like, experience of the film, it's not really as... It's, it, the spotlight isn't really on that. He he tries to, like, deal with issues of of grief um, with the same kind of, like, 
buoyancy and I don't know playfulness as his other films and it doesn't really work that well and it's just it feels very one note kind of the whole time I need to see it again I need to see it again because I think I think I will enjoy it more the second time I see it with a little bit of knowledge under your belt yeah with a little more knowledge and just and more alertness (laughs) Okay. um, Did you ever see Bo is Afraid? No. Okay. I was going to ask you to to pick one and and drop the other, but because Bo is Afraid is one of those where, yeah, I just, I have to pass. And as much as I don't want to, I had to. Okay. So those three are probably the biggest outside of your top 10. Like Um, most, maybe marketable, maybe most well-known. Yes. Yes. And there's other, like, there's other things I could talk about, but we could always save that. Cause I, so what is, okay, well, let's do it. Um, so number 10, what's, what's, well, I was just going to ask what's the lowest rating, like letterbox wise. Is it like a three and a half? Is it a four? Once you get like from 10 up one movie that I don't think I rated it, but I would give it a one. It was, that's on your top 10. That's on your top 10. Oh my my God. No, I thought you meant in general. Oh, (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I was like, I was like, how how did those other movies? Okay. So in there, wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay. No, I won't I won't delve into the deepness of this one rating, but was it just so disconnected? Like I need to know what to avoid when it I'm was, making a movie. No, it was just it was just it's really hard to describe. Like it was just so weird. Like okay. in such a bad way. <laughs> um, we'll stick yeah, to that. Bo's afraid. Leah's calling you out. Leah's calling you out. Don't she won't <laughs> say your name, but she's calling you out. All right, number ten on your list. Share it with me. What do okay, we have? Okay. Number ten is this movie that I don't know if it's going to come out in the U.S., but it's called Vincent Must Die. And this is a... Wait, why am I forgetting what country it's from? I want to say French. I want to say... I think it's French. Yeah, it's a French movie. Yeah, that's what it looks like. It's French. And basically the plot of this movie is one day... So there's this kind of everyman named Vincent. One day, everyone wakes up and basically decides that he needs to die. And so he just starts getting attacked randomly by people. It's a really interesting concept. I thought it was kind of hilarious um, in the description. And I was worried when I sat down because I was like, is this about to be like a horror movie? Because I don't personally like horror movies. And so I was a little nervous. It's definitely gory. Okay. But what I really liked about it, it's so funny. It's like really funny. And it reminded me a little bit of like, it kind of gave me like bones and all vibes in terms of like the oh. isolation. Yeah. In terms of like the ice, but it's funny. It's like kind of a comedy. So that's where this discrepancy is. But it's bones and all in, in the way that it's like an isolation story of this man who's kind of on the run from people because he can't be around people. And it's also a little bit of a love, like there's a little bit of a love story tangled in there. So le- okay, so let me ask you this, because this is, pro- it was probably in French or... Yes. Yeah, okay. So if it's in French, are you are you somebody who likes a dubbed movie or a subbed movie? Like, do you like it being in the language and then you read the subtitles or do you like it being in English so that you can understand what they're saying? I like subtitles. Okay. Personally, I I mean, I got really used to them because pretty much every single movie that I saw was in another language, which was really cool and something that I'm not used to and was, yeah, was really awesome about Cannes. But um, I personally like subtitles because 
sometimes I love listening to the language. Like there's this one movie that's not on my, it's not on my top 10, but it's a, it was a Bengalese movie and their language is, I don't know if it was, or it was, uh, I think it's like, yeah, or Congo, or it was Democratic Republic of the Congo. And it was, their language is so beautiful. So I just love listening to it, even though I knew what they were saying in English because they're subtitles. But um, yeah, so that's, so Vincent Must Die is my top 10. Okay. Is this like a, so last question on this. Is this give me like purge, I am legend type vibes where you're like, it's like thrilling? Is it not? Is it like it's definitely comedic? A thriller. Like what's, okay. For sure. It's definitely a thriller because you're like, you're like, oh my God, at some points you're scared. But okay. it's also funny at moments. So it's very charming. It was cool because uh, the cast was there when I was there. It was it was part of the, um, I think it was the Critics Week comp- uh, category. I don't know if it won anything. But I really liked it because the tone of the movie was super consistent. Like, it wasn't questioning what it was at all. Like I said, it was comedic, but also kind of a thriller. So that made it really interesting. And it felt like I hadn't seen something like that before. Hell yeah. All right. Vincent Must Die, number 10. All right. Yes. I don't have much to say on that just because I don't know much of the creators yes. behind it. I know, um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I am always intrigued with people when they watch a you know, a film that's not in the language that they're used to seeing it in or listening. And so seeing, hey, do you like it dubbed? Do you like it subbed? I will say I just watched Spirited Away for the first time last week. And since it was an animated film, I think the dub actually worked. But when I watched the show right. Dark on Netflix, which is a German film, I can't do the dubbed. It like really distracts me. So me too. Maybe, maybe it's like the live action disconnect. Maybe that's what it is, but I'm not yes. sure. Okay. Number time. Number nine. Number nine. Okay. So number nine is the movie that won best screenplay at Cannes, and it's called Monster. It's a Japanese film, Ooh. and I was at the premiere of this one, which was very cool. Somehow on the day, a bunch of tickets dropped. Basically, there was a ticket website where we could pick up tickets kind of every day, which was very helpful because before apparently people had to like wait in lines and stuff but we could just do it online which was great and my basically my entire program got to go so we all got to walk the red carpet and go to the premiere wow and this movie is three hours so it was a bit of a like i definitely dozed at points um am i looking at am i looking at the wrong one i'm seeing a two hours and six minute film this is monster right wait was it only two hours maybe i just thought it was three hours this is by Corita Hirokazu. Yeah, okay, maybe it was two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, everything feels much longer. I can. Well, I, well, I will say, say you you have the red carpet event. You have all the publicity yes. around you. That's much different sure, than sure. walking into a theater and getting popcorn and a drink and going to your seat. Yes. You know. Yes. 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 So okay. So I guess this was two hours, but um, this was just such a sweet story and it was basically told in like three point of views in and it was like the first act second act third act which was really cool it's kind of hard to describe um but it basically ends up becoming this friendship slash sort of love story between these two boys and it is just i mean the the screenplay is really great and obviously it won and I just loved the, yeah, the style of the film. I hadn't seen any of his other films. He's very reputable. He won the the jury prize, which is another another um, award at Cannes uh, a few years ago, I think, the director. 
Um, but the cinematography was stunning and it was just very exciting to be there. And yeah. Is this a Japanese film? Yeah, this this is a Japanese film. Japanese. Japanese, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know much about like Japanese cinema to be completely honest. I don't feel like Korean cinema is pretty popular right now. I mean, it's getting more popular, but the Japanese cinema, I, I just am not, I'm not familiar with. Yeah. It's definitely drawn out a bit. I would say, like certain sequences, I was, I think that's why I was a little sleepy during, but, <laughs> um, but overall, this was just a very sweet story. And a lot of people in my program loved it. It was like their favorite thing they saw. So, yo, so number 10 and number nine, non-English films. I dig it. I dig it. Yes. All right. What's next? Okay. This is also probably because of the experience and because I'm such a big Disney fan, my number eight is Elemental, the new Pixar movie. Oh, okay. Maybe a little lower on the list than what I expected, but I'm very intrigued. Yes, so, yes, maybe. Okay, let me ask you, before we delve into some of these nitty-gritty details, of, even though we're not spoiling it, did this live up to the originality of a Pixar film? Like, were maybe unconventional, or did it feel a little conventional with some creative visuals? Visually, it felt different from... Okay. A lot of films that Pixar has done recently. I think the elements were done really well. It was very like tongue in cheek, like kind of there were moments where you're like, oh, that's funny. Like that's a funny idea with the elements and how everything kind of worked together. This was definitely more of a children's movie, though. Like I would say instead of like an inside out where it honestly leans like adult in some themes, this was like very much a children's movie. This was my last night at Cannes, and I didn't think I was going to get into this because I showed up kind of late, and right before Elemental was the final, the closing ceremonies, where they give the awards, they give, you know, everything, basically, all the, all the different awards, and everyone's there, all the filmmakers in competition, and I didn't get into that section of the night, but then they take, like, a 30-minute break, and Unfortunately, like a lot of people leave because they either are celebrating or whatever. And so I got in afterwards to see Elemental where the filmmakers for Elemental and the cast was there. So that was awesome. Um, And it was just a really sweet film. And the, you know, I really enjoyed the visual style of the movie. I, like I said before, I thought it was different from other Pixar films I'd seen recently. And I think like me as a kid would have like loved this movie. It was definitely like a little childish. Yeah. But okay. I think maybe that was the intent. So. So let me let me tell you this. So on without a mic, which for anybody who doesn't know without a mic, that was the other podcast I was a part of, still in, you know, to a certain degree. But um, we did summer rankings. Like we are, we kind of predicted the summer blockbusters, and we did a draft. We did like a, a movie draft, and Elemental was on my list. Be- but I chose it like fourth or fifth mm-hmm. and they're like, ah, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be good. I'm like, bro, Pixar doesn't fail. Like to my, I don't know, in my opinion, I just don't think Pixar will ever, ever give you a non-enjoyable film. It might not be the best animated film, but I think you will enjoy every Pixar film. Like yeah. it'll be high quality. It will be original. It will give you some intriguing, you know, visuals that you're not used to seeing. I, I like that element. <laughs> No pun intended, but that's 
what I'm looking forward to. So I don't know. I don't have much anticipation slash expectation for this film because once again, I don't connect super hard to animated films. But yeah. is this one that you think will kind of pop off once it hits theaters? Honestly, I don't think I've had it won't be an inside out. Like that that okay. film I think is the last Pixar film that has really struck a chord in like a really big way. And I don't think it's going to do that. I think this is probably going to follow the same path that the other Pixar movies that have come out since have been, unfortunately, just because it is so kiddie. And Mm, not saying that in like a demeaning way. I think families will really like that. (laughs) (laughs) Families will really like this. I just, I put it on my list partially because of the experience of it. And because I really, I just really enjoy Pixar and I think I think it it will meet expectations. Okay. So early let me get you even though you haven't seen probably a lot of these movies cuz a lot of them haven't come out yet. Early nomination, what do you think is going to win best animated feature? Um Across the Spider-Verse. Beautiful. All right, we can go on to number <laughs> 7 now. <laughs> You're just wanting me to say that. <laughs> hey, you haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. You you made your you made your prediction. I didn't I didn't sway you one way or another. <laughs> um, okay, my number seven is the Zone of Interest, which this movie oh. won the Grand Prix, I believe, which is essentially like the second place. It's not really, but my professor who is with us, she was like, it's basically first, second, third. The first is Palme d'Or, second is Grand Prix, the third is the Jury Prize. So. This one, the Grand Prix, this movie is about the private life of a German, or like the family life of this German commandant responsible for, it's a very heavy movie, uh, responsible for basically Auschwitz, and he's kind of the director of the concentration camp. So my kind of tagline for this movie when I describe it to people is, this is the most violent movie I've ever seen with zero violence in it. So how you, how does now I'm intrigued. How does this work? The most so non-violent violent movie you've ever seen. Basically, it's so haunting, but they li- this family lives right next to Auschwitz. So you're seeing like the chimney smoke mm. and mm. you're hearing screams like kind of the entire time. And you obviously know what's going on. And oh my god, it's it's very, very powerful. And this one is also long. Like for me, it dragged a bit at points because at first I was like, what is this? Like I was like, why is this movie being made? And then I really understood it. It's like very, it's a very like deep metaphor, I think, for kind of the world we live in today. Like there's so much horrible stuff going on in the world that's like basically right next to us but we kind of go on living our lives not ignoring it like understanding its presence but it's not in our zone of interest oh so that's kind okay. of so what do you think now you're sparking my my mindset here what do you think <laughs> is the most prominent issue no no <laughs> no you don't want to go on this okay 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 i will I say i'm watching the movie called living um it has bill nye who was nominated for yes. best actor oh, yes. last year i just uh-huh. started watching it before our podcast and it's doing a very similar thing but in the sense of 
living life. Like it's it's deliberately showing you the problems we have created with humanity and like the mundane routine that we're in every day and what it's like getting into it and being naive but also curious. You're like, oh, I guess that's the right way to do things. I'm going to do it. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. I like those movies. They kind of take this this modern present situ- or story and then they intertwine all these embedded thoughts that really relate to the audience, like allow the audience to say, wait, I feel that way or wait, I know exactly what they're talking about or I, I've seen that yeah. before. I like those movies. They, they're really eye-opening. Yeah. And I don't mean to dismiss your question. I just think there's a lot of stuff I could say and it would take too long. Um, but I, so this is a German film. So it's in German. And yeah. what's interesting is that this man obviously is the is the director of the camp, but he he kind of gets like switched around a bunch to other camps, and his wife is kind of always there, and she's the one who's like essentially the villain of the story. She's very terrifying and is very flippant about everything that's going on, and so mm-hmm. it just kind of it's it's very haunting and and heavy in that way. And I think I don't remember the other movie I saw this day. Oh yes, I do. Okay, it's on my list. But they're both extremely heavy. And so that day I was just like feeling like there's just really serious topics which are really important to show in these films at Cannes especially because of like the wide audience. But um, Did you get a drink that night? Did you at least <laughs> detox? Like that's a heavy day. I don't know what's next on that list. But if for this sure. is as heavy as it sounds, for sure. it feels very Empire of the Sun, very like just like I don't know. Eye opening is probably a great word. Maybe a little bit off putting, but in a good way, like a meaningful way. But yes, the zone of interest. Do you feel like this will hit theaters here? Do you think this is a movie that like we will own up to and and play? You know, be a parasite. It's tough because I hope so. I hope so. I don't think because of this is a film that's very. It's very meant for can because. It's it's pretty like I said it's kind of slow at some parts and it's it lingers on moments and for some of my friends this movie really moved them immediately like they were crying I personally like this was a film where I had to think about it for a long time afterward and then I like appreciated it like when I saw it I was I was like that was kind of long and and like a little boring and like really tough to watch but then afterward, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's like a metaphor for our, like, our society. So, like, I really – I think it took me some time to, like, appreciate the actual movie. But I hope well it does said. come to theaters. I, I, this, this one is right up the alley of types of movies that I want to see. I want to see these movies that kind of shatter me a little bit. They shatter mm-hmm. me in humility. They shatter me in making me feel a little guilty possibly just because of – I don't know. I watched a documentary called Sea Spiracy um, over the weekend. Yeah. That documentary ripped me to shreds, and I I am the father of a fur child named Blue. So when and there's so much more to that. I get that. There's more to just like harming animals, but then again, that's a massive point. And then there's just the point about humanity and like us proceeding and and succeeding and yes. maybe not succeeding. That's what's scary. Where I'm like, okay, we need to. I don't know. It's 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 a good necessary harshness that you need to see so number seven the zone of interest good pick i'm yes. I'm, I'm already excited for that one yes so my number six is totally gonna figure out what country it is from but i'm gonna look it up it is called the delinquents los delinquentes um 
and this was a once I look it up I'll know what country it's from um this was kind of a tale of it was a big traveling movie so it's basically about two men one ends up going to prison the other kind of goes on this like journey throughout whatever the country is that I need to remember um this was Argentina Argentina thank you so this was beautiful like probably the most visually stunning movie I saw at Cannes this is indeed three hours by the way Yes, this was three hours. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I, remember. <laughs> I remember this. Yes, I remember this. So what does it have? Okay, yeah. So it has a 7 on or 7.1 on IMDb, which I'm happy about. 22 so, ratings, though. So don't let that face yes, you. I know. It, I know. It'll probably I know. get higher. I, I hope so. Um, so this was in Uncertain Regard category. Um, and one, basically the, the plot is that these two men work at a bank. One decides that he's going to rob the bank, go to jail, and that's worth it so he can live a life, so he can get out and live a life of just not having to work. Interesting. The okay. other one, yeah, so because he hates his job so much, it's so boring that he's like, I'm going to rob this bank, I'm going to spend the time in jail, and I'm going to live out the rest of my life not having to work. Um, and the other guy is his co-worker who knows about it, and... One half of the movies kind of, I've never seen a movie. The one thing I'll say about this is I've never seen a movie that seamlessly switches protagonists so well because the first half of the movie or first like maybe third of the movie is the one dude who robs the bank and okay. the second half is this coworker man and then they kind of come together throughout. He visits him in prison, etc. But I really liked that aspect of like the switching of protagonists. It really made the movie like engaging. And I did watch this true, entire thing. Was there a true antagonist or was it kind of maybe gray a little bit? Not really. It's kind of, yeah. I mean, there was a little bit of antagonist in terms of like the, there was an investigator at the bank who was like trying to get the coworker to like confess that he knew what was going on. But mostly I'd say the star of this movie was the, the visual it was so beautiful and like very specific and there was like some love story in there there was you know like some drama some um crime obviously like prison stuff but yeah i really i just really liked the visuals of this film I, i was looking at the just the creative team behind this these movies are so fascinating to me. And this is what really makes the world of filmmaking seem so just, it's so fucking tiny. Like it's so hard because Mm -hmm. you have a beautiful project like this with people not saying I should know them, but I just have never heard of these, these individuals. I've never heard of the director, any of these actors. Um, It reminds me of a film, which I just want to kind of throw a plug to a movie I saw last year called Manicore. And it's a, a, I believe it's a Spanish film. And it was so off-putting, the actual message. It was so, so riveting. And so just, you're like, oh my God, did I just watch this? But so subtle at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that movie will ever be released. I don't know if I'll ever see it again. I don't know if I'll ever see it on streaming. But I I remember that. So this is where um, one of the premieres was. Maybe not the main premiere. But I went up to the director after and I asked him because we were in this bar and I was like, 
I have to tell you that this was one of the most beautiful films I've seen in a long Aww. time. And he was so humble. He was so down to earth and so grateful. And then I made a connection with another, you know, filmmaker there who said that that individual, that film, that director of this Manicore movie, he's like, oh, he's one of the greatest like that we have, like, cause they're from the same country. Yeah. And so it made me feel like, wow, I, I need to truly watch cinema. I need to truly expand into so many different realms rather than what we're offered. Don't get me wrong. There's more than plenty to get around. But seeing films like this, like that's what I don't know. You're sparking my my interest, my curiosity with these non English films. Honestly, can totally open my eyes to exactly what you just said. There's so much out there. If I could say the number one thing, well, there's a few things that I learned, but one thing that I learned is the vast amount of filmmakers that are so well known in their own countries, and can really gives them a platform for international viewers which is just amazing and it was so cool to see all these films because i know a lot of there's like a stigma or something in america about watching subtitled movies or they're you know harder to watch or whatever it's not true and some of these films are just i mean my my top film that i won't i mean i won't say yet obviously but it's not an american film and it is something that i don't know if I'll ever see again. I hope so. But anyway, I agree with you. It's it's really exciting to see all these international films because we're just not exposed to them on a daily so basis. So as, as we enter the top five, if you are wanting to hear Killers of the Flower Moon at number one, you may leave the podcast now. All right, let's enter so top five. I do not see Killers of the Flower Moon. We'll just, we'll just oh, for some, reason I thought, for some reason I thought oh, you did. But that was that probably, the, was that the biggest? Was that the that biggest premiere? That was the biggest premiere. That was okay. impossible to get into. I met some people who had tickets who did not get in because it was full. Wait, what? Yeah, because they let in – she was, like, late. And they let in, like, people who um, were waiting in line last mm. minute to get in. So they let in those people, and then the theater was completely full. So wow. that was okay. definitely the biggest. I did not get into that one. Big bummer because, obviously, that movie doesn't come out until October, and they only showed it... A lot of these films, once they show the premiere, they show it a bunch of other times at the festival, but they only showed that one time at the premiere. So, that was definitely a bummer, but I I watched the red carpet, so that was cool, but anyway. Yeah, you spotted Leo. You spotted Leo. Okay, if you are a fan of... If you wanted Killers of the Flower Moon, you can stay on the podcast. You can listen. (laughs) You can keep listening. All right, top five. What do we got number five? Okay, number five, this won the jury prize, which is the third, I guess, uh, prize in the awards. And this is called Fallen Leaves. And it is a Finnish film. So this director, I'm pretty sure is pretty well known at Cannes. I'm not sure if he'd won something before, but my professors knew him really well they really like his work and so they were like you have to see this movie movie and i saw it on the last day and then it won that night so that was exciting but it's you said falling leaves fallen leaves it might be called something else in english like i mean that's in english obviously but i think i think it's called dead leaves when i looked it up it said dead leaves um, I would just search Fallen Leaves can, and it should come up. Yeah, Fallen Leaves. Here it is. Oh, Fallen Leaves. I see it. Yeah, okay, here we go. Here we go. Um, oh, Mubi got it, apparently. Um, Damn it. I know. I'll I know. never see it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. So, <laughs> so this is a very sweet 
romance film, but it's it's like a subtle comedy. It's quite funny, but it's it's a little cynical, um, but not in a bad way. And I saw this on the last day. Like I said, I was pretty tired, but it definitely kept me engaged. It's eighty minutes, like we talked about last time. Easy it's watch, super great, easy, easy watch. watch. Let's go. It, it, de- it deals with like some kind of heavy things like alcoholism and grief and like loneliness, but it does them in kind of a light way, which is really interesting to watch. And it's just a very sweet romance story about two people who are pretty messed up. <laughs> um, what's what's the last great romance film to come out? True romance, not rom-com, not, you know. I know what your yeah. answer is. <laughs> Do you? Do you know what oh, it is? Maybe not. Is it Bones and All? Oh, no, but that is, oh, okay, I do consider okay, okay. that a romance film, but I, I don't know, know if that. that's like a true yes. romance film. Okay, like, okay. Because that is kind of romance like and horror mixed together a little bit, maybe thriller, but sure. I don't know. I think of Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, which, yeah. Well, that's a that's rom-com. Like, is no? that a rom-com? Maybe I just don't even know the, the genre of romance <laughs> film. I don't know. I did see Rai Lane. I think we talked about this before. Oh, yes, Rai Lane on that. Hulu, which was really good. And that. that to me... But then again, there's a lot of comedy, so I don't know. I don't know how you can. Yeah, it's hard these. to it's hard to separate because there's obviously there's comedy in this film, but I wouldn't call it a rom com. Comedy, okay. Um, and there's like some political undertones in there, like working class stuff, which is also you know just rounds out the movie. Um, yeah. And yeah, just a really sweet, sweet film, quick, which was great. I love that hour twenty minutes. Yeah, don't so if that good. is available to watch. Uh, Mubi, I guess I I did watch <laughs> Decision to Leave on Mubi, which was mm. a phenomenal film. So is is great movie. You, I was gonna say you notion towards that. I was like, did, did this premiere at Cannes? Surprisingly, no. for the second well, year in a row, it was, it was it did win something at Cannes last year. Last year, yeah, yeah. Okay, I that makes sense. Year. Great movie, Maybe. Decision to Leave. Yeah. Um. Cool. All right. Number four. Okay. Number four. Okay. So. This it was in competition, and this is actually a documentary, but I did not know that going in, and I didn't know it was a documentary until, like, the last 20 minutes of the movie. Oh, okay. So it's a very unique type of documentary. I'm going to read the description on the Can website because I don't want to, like, screw up the description because this is such a beautiful, powerful film. So this is a Tunisian and French movie. And also Saudi Arabia, I think, was, like, part of it, and Germany. So it's kind of four countries, like, combined. But it's in Tunisia. And it's about a woman... Are you leading me in suspense with the name here? uh... Did I not say... It's called Four Daughters. (laughs) Four Daughters. Okay. (laughs) You're good. I thought thought this was part of the script. I'm like, okay. I'm really... The the suspense is building right now. It's called Four Daughters. It's about (laughs) this mother and her four daughters. Okay. And... Essentially, two of the daughters disappear, and to fill in their absence, this filmmaker, who's the director, um, invites these professional actresses to play the mother who's there, but she basically plays the like more difficult parts of her real lived experience, and then she brings in two actresses to play um, the two daughters who disappeared. Mm. And it's a story of, fa- I mean, family. It's a story of these daughters. It's a story of kind of trauma passed down to generations. 
I don't know if I should give away the end. No, don't I give away like, the end. Okay, okay, I, won't give I, know, away the I end. know it's probably the monumental piece. It is but... kind of the main piece of the movie, but um, but the end is... I was not expecting it at all. It's a true story. Does um, this kind of merge yeah. genres? Does this merge documentary with like, like a real yes. drama? Like, is this because, kind of like a... That's interesting. The... There's reenactments in documentaries. They do that, yep. you know. The this is Michael not J. Fox one did that yeah. too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um the college admission scandal one did that. Like I've seen that before in documentaries, but this was so different because it was the real daughters and then these two women who kind of were actresses and were brought in to play the daughters and kind of replay some of their moments. And the mother is essentially the true like star she was it's also a question of like what is a good mother what is a bad mother because she Mm -hmm. essentially like abused her children but there's so much like pain in her as well and it's, it's just it's so powerful this was the one also that i loved that hearing their language it's really beautiful and yeah, I mean, the, the end is just, the, that's the punch. Like, it's really okay. wild. And you see the news clips of what happened, what, yeah, what happened to the other daughters um, and what they're doing now. And it's really powerful and really sad and scary, but beautiful, really so, interesting film. One thing I don't know, and I'd be very curious about, because I know they do this with other festivals, but... With Cannes, if you premiere or if you show your film at Cannes, I wonder if people show their films to other festivals. Because this is one I would be very, very keen and open to seeing it. Like maybe like Telluride or Tribeca or like yeah. just these kind of, they're well known, but they're not Cannes. You know, they're, they're, they're these smaller ones that might get more attention. They might get more distributors or maybe buying power so that we can see a movie like this. Because... I don't know. I like when you kind of bend genres. I like when you get a little unexpected, like, hey, For you sure. know, Free Solo, one of my, you know, recent favorite documentaries that I've seen, they they pause, they, they don't pause, but he decides not to do what they're filming. And so they take six months and then he's like, hey, I actually do want to do this thing now. And so they're like, oh, great, let's continue. I'm like, you, you can't expect a normal situation to happen. And you said two yeah. of the daughters disappear they're not there and so how do you fill in those gaps they bring in actors i just really like that i think that's extremely original and i don't know caring it's like careful you know you, you're like yeah. i want to make this work and do it in the best way possible yes side note free solo is my favorite documentary oh Love really that. oh okay. my goodness i've seen it a million times like so my many hands times. my hands get clammy every time i watch it i'm like i, I can't <laughs> so i can't anxiety i don't oh. have times now that i it kind of it, i mean it's still there but it's a oh, great great documentary what do you what it's, do you think about him by the way the, the guy you think uh he's got you think he's uh is he is he all right is he okay is he healthy i kind of got obsessed with like climbing i watched it back like a few years ago when it came out and i got obsessed with like climbing documentaries and I also watch a lot of interviews with him in it. And he's like, yeah, I was a bit of an asshole in the, like, when you see me. But oh. like, I think I've, he's like, I, I, I wouldn't say some of that stuff like now. Like, I think <laughs> it was that, which I, I get. But yeah, he was definitely, some stuff he said was questionable. Have you um, seen the, is it the Alp, Alpinist? Alpinist? How do you say that? That's another yeah, climbing I think documentary. 
I've seen um, the something wall. One of those. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, the something yeah. wall. <laughs> no, I, I I've been getting into documentaries more. Seaspiracy, still yeah. a Michael J. Fox story. I've been trying to just like expand a little bit. Those are more educational as well, which I will mm-hmm. give massive props mm-hmm. to yeah. uh, right. my previous co-host Roger because he he kind of he said he said that to me. He's like, "Are you in the mood to be entertained or to be educated?" And I really like that because that's kind of the separation between a documentary and a you know, Indiana Jones, you want to be entertained in Indiana Jones, but you want to be educated probably in a film like this. Yeah. And this definitely, I guess it could seem like a documentary when you're watching it because it is breaking the fourth wall. They're talking to the camera and talking to a filmmaker, but it doesn't seem like it's interviews in like the same way that traditional documentary would be. And they make the documentary because the girls disappear. Like that's when it, that's why it happens. So it's a really interesting like prompt and, beginning and i love films that reveal more as you come go along and that's why i had no idea what this was about going in and that was really probably the best part was experiencing everything as it happened and the end especially so you and i would not know this in the slightest but do you feel like documentaries are the hardest form of filmmaking do you feel like there's a harder film to make than a documentary i mean Maybe not because you have to, you're loyal to something, you know, like with a script, you can play around, you You have creative freedoms, you can change things, you can change characters, but for documentaries, you have to adhere in, in most scenarios, you have to adhere to the people that you're making the film about. You have to honor it. I think that's why this, this movie especially is like towing the line of, I can't really give it away, but it's very sensitive material especially I would say for an American audience, it can be a touchy subject, but they do it so well. And it's what's, so what's the subject you're killing me. You're <laughs> okay, killing me. Okay. It's like, it's like terrorism. These two girls, okay. spoiler alert, these two girls um, end up becoming terrorists. The daughters, they go into wow. a terrorist group and that's where they, they're kind of, I guess not seduced, but they, they go themselves into a, so that's what happened with the yeah. the two real daughters. Okay. Sorry. I yeah. thought this was like just a sporadic production incident and they're just like, yeah, we can't find them. Know, we no, don't no, know no, where no, they no. went. No, no, no. Wow. That's what they reveal at the end is that it's, wow. they show they don't show news clips until the end and it's them. And it was on the news. And I think they might've been, they might've been killed. I forget. Honestly, oh, I don't remember. God, that is but heavy. it's like, it's so heavy. And these, these real dot, like the two that are remaining are just, they just really give everything. They talk so much in this movie. Like they just, it's not the same. Like it's not tailored. It's not really edited that much. I mean, it obviously is edited, but like their conversations go on and on and on. And they just talk about their experiences and what their mother was like when they're growing up and maybe why the two sisters left. And yeah, so that is four daughters. Four daughters. All right. Not, great film to have right outside of the top three. Okay. Top three, Cannes Film Festival. Let's hear it. Okay. So, I don't know if maybe people will disagree with me when this comes out, but my third is called Firebrand. Firebrand? Firebrand. And this is a movie that is not on a lot of people's radars, but has huge stars in it. And it stars Alicia Vikander and Jude Law. And it is about the story of Catherine Parr, 
the last wife of Henry VIII. And let's see if we can to please Catherine and Jude Law plays Henry VIII. Mm, and okay. I did not also did not know what this movie was going out going in. I per- the ending is kind of the shocking bit because we don't really know what happened historically. King Henry VIII, uh, Catherine Parr is the one who survived out of all the wives. She survived him. I heard about this. Was yeah, this a play and- as well, like a theater? Was this on? <laughs> so, was this on Broadway? So this, it, um, so the reason why I knew a lot about the wives of Henry VIII is because there's this Broadway show called Six. Yes, it's okay. about it's about all the wives of Henry VIII. So she, Catherine Barr has her own song and all this stuff, but this is very much a. I mean, it's obviously a period piece. Um, interestingly, it's by a Brazilian director who is pretty well known in Brazil and also just like in general. And Kareem it's, it's in English. Yeah, I have no idea how to pronounce his name, but yeah. yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> and it's all in English. And the star of this movie is Jude Law. He is terrifying in this film. And when he first came on screen, I had no idea it was him. Oscar I was like, worthy? it took Question me like, mark? I mean, the thing is like, he really plays a villain. Like he's, Henry VIII was not a nice person. And it's really like disgusting, honestly. A lot Ooh, of the scenes, he's kind of like oozing out like just horrid. Like I'm an asshole. Like he's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just yeah, a piece and, of shit. Like, and he's very manipulative and conniving um it's basically about Catherine Parr was very she really stood for religious rights like having or being able to speak English instead of Latin and church and there's there was a lot of like religious politics going on at the time and it's basically about that and how Henry VIII just like executes anyone who does who doesn't follow his policies basically um so, is it equally educational? Is this based on a true story? Is this like real, or did they dramatize so a lot of this? It's based, and- they definitely dramatized it. It's based, okay. I mean, it's based on a true story. The ending is very up for grabs. Like I said before, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but like we don't really know how he died, okay. and so they take their own twist on it. Um, so I will say, there's another film that I saw that I didn't mention yet, but it's called John DeBerry. This is the Johnny Depp movie. It was the opening film, so I saw it. I saw the premiere. And must have not have been that great because it's outside of the top ten. Yeah, unless it's unless it's one or two. I don't no, know. It is not. Okay. It is not. Okay. So okay. I'm 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 bringing it up to kind of compare the two because Jean Dubarry was very much. This is a period piece with a progressive woman, and it kind of felt like the woman who is the director, Mai Wen. She's a famous like French, I think, actress, and then this is. Maybe she's on other movies, but um, she directed the film. She also stars in the main role. And it kind of felt like she was just plopped into a period piece. And she's like very, it's a very self-indulgent movie in my opinion. Oh, okay. And it kind of feels like it's supposed to be, it was supposed to be the comeback role for Johnny Depp. He's like very sweet in this movie. And there's no really like sex shown, even though they're bas- she's basically his mistress. And she kind of rises up through society. Anyway, the reason why I'm bringing this up is that is like period piece with progressive women, whereas this film is more of like here's a woman trapped by circumstance who deals with what she's given and kind of tries to defy it in her own way. 
So that's where I thought it was interesting comparing the two. And that's why Firebrand is up there for me in the movies that I saw. I love it. It feels like this one's a little bit more raw to the honesty. Like it's a little bit more like it's maybe a just raw a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it just it, your description feels especially with like the comparison to the Johnny Depp film. This one feels a little bit more upfront saying, "Hey, this is just how it is. You can get mad at us, you can take it how you like, you cannot like Jude Law, that's totally fine, but this is the way it is." And probably yeah. I imagine you actually appreciate that format and you appreciate Jude Law and this character because it was just told kind of in an authentic manner. So nice firebrand. Okay. Number three, I imagine that one will be, uh, yes. like a, maybe a independent think, project that gets yeah, some, attention. I think independent, I think it'll get some, some attention. I mean, my friend, we got out of the movie and he was like, wait, Jude Law was in that. And I was like, <laughs> like he was very unrecognizable. <laughs> I mean, okay. It was a little silly, but he was very unrecognizable. And I think this is going to shock a lot of people because, I, I mean, he definitely has played villains, but I don't really see him like that. And so it was kind of like wild to see. All right. But. So Henry VIII or Captain Hook? Which one? Uh, Jude Law <laughs> performance. Which one are we choosing? Mm, I, I haven't seen that in so long. Um, no, this one just came out. This one just came oh, out. Oh, this is the new Peter Pan. He yeah, plays, I didn't see it. He plays I Hook. He plays Hook. I oh, okay. I forgot. Yeah. We talked about that last Sa- time. Save yourself. Save yourself. Yes. You're good. Yes. Okay. All right, number two. Number two. This is not going to be a surprise, I don't think, because it got very good reviews at Cannes. And basically all of my friends had the same um, opinion. But this is May-December. So this is directed by Todd Haynes, starring Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman. And when I had seen this movie, it was my favorite film that I saw. Uh, and I saw this pretty late. Um, I saw it before my number one, but I saw the premiere, Natalie Portman, like the whole cast was like literally to my right. Like I could basically reach out and touch them. Love it. It was amazing. My friend and I got into the premiere quite late and we walked up with the cast. Like they were like right there. And that was just so insane. And I'm a huge Julianne Moore fan. Like I really love her and, and Natalie Portman, obviously. But the real star of this movie is Charles Melton. He is the MVP of this film, and I'm saying it right now because I think he's going to get a lot of buzz for this movie. Maybe not Oscar, but like just when it comes out, I think people are going to be a lot of shocked. Or people are going to be shocked because he is known for Riverdale, and that's pretty much it. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else or heard American of him in Horror else. Story. The Sun is also okay. Bad Boys for Life. Okay. Uh, seen anything he's in to be honest i haven't seen riverdale so yeah I d- oh you've never seen riverdale i mean i know like i've seen clips but okay like, okay it gets a it gets a little much but the first yeah. season's pretty fun so okay. it, i yeah i'd say if you want to delve it's kind of like 13 reasons why first season is kind of monumental because it's very original and then they just do too much with it so okay um May, yeah so this was actually bought by netflix while we were there the cool part about can is that it's also a market so a lot of films are being, you know, all the deals are being made there, which is really exciting. Um, so this will come out on Netflix. I don't know when, but this movie is essentially about, so it's also kind of a heavy topic. It's quite strange. Is this but... the second movie of your heavy day, your heavy movie day? <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know. This might've been the third one. Oh, st- oh my. 
Because oh, I saw my. I saw Zone of Interest and Four Daughters in the same day. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then I think this might have been the same day. I don't know. I have to check. But it's basically about Julianne Moore's character has who is a 36-year-old woman in the past. I'll explain. Has an affair with a 7th grader. And base, this is based on a true story that happened, or a similar story that happened, like, in the 90s. Wow, and okay. And it was, like, in all the magazines. She goes to prison, obviously. But they're in love. So he waits for her to come out. And then they basically are together and have children. So what? this story is takes place, like, 20 years after that, where Julian's character is about 60. Charles Melton is her... Um, husband and Natalie Portman is playing Julianne Moore's character in a film so she's an actress playing her in a movie oh wow this is very intriguing okay so it's a really cool it's a really interesting concept and basically the movie is just Natalie Portman visiting with this family and getting to know her and getting to know the family and the kids and that's like the entire film very very fascinating this got a lot of buzz i saw this everywhere i saw it has a lot of buzz i honestly i'm i'm upset it didn't get anything like it didn't win anything but usually american films don't win stuff but unless unless you're mr martin scorsese well (laughs) did he actually i don't know if they won anything did they no no they they were out of competition oh okay okay because can and netflix aren't like the best don't have the best relationship and they're or, like, something about Ruben Austin. Ruben Austin was like, I'm glad he's out of competition. Or it makes sense he's not in oh, competition. Maybe, maybe Apple? Because Apple owns Killers of the maybe. Flower Moon. Oh, sorry, Apple. Wait, I forgot it was Netflix. Okay, yeah. Was I will say, yeah. you it's saying May, December is being purchased by Netflix. Not that I I will, like, think anything less of it. But it just, like, from what you described... This does not feel like a Netflix film. It does not feel like a Netflix film at all to me. And so I was I was surprised by that. We were also, like, my group and I, once we heard the news, we were, like, kind of bummed about it because we were, like, I hope people watch this because it is actually such a quality film. And I, after having seen this, like, I really liked not just the story but the, the filmmaking style, the writing. It's um, Todd Haynes who – I haven't seen any of his other movies, and I'm planning to see – all of them because I really, really liked the way that he did it. And it was also pretty, it felt short and sweet to me. I wish it could have gone on longer to be honest. Um, but the cool part about it is that it's kind of dismantling. It, it's, it's meant for can in my opinion, because it's a Hollywood movie, but it's kind of dismantling the Hollywood system mm-hmm. within the movie because the end result, I'm not going to s- spoil, but it's not, um, I guess it, it doesn't follow what the movie's goal is. Like Natalie Portman's goal, uh, it's kind of undone by the end a little bit. Okay, um, but is it is it like an unconventional, unexpected ending that is not like? Are you happy that it's kind of? Different? Yeah, I didn't know what the ending was going to be. I okay. kind of just thought she would like. She visits with the family, and then it's. I thought it would just kind of be like, oh, she leaves and makes the movie, but. It's a very intriguing ending. Okay. And like I said, Charles Melton's acting is amazing. And that character is really difficult because you kind of have to like be a victim, but also you're not, you have to show some form of agency. So it's, it's, he kind of plays like this deluded man. Um, I mean, if, 
you're also a Julianne Moore fan, and this is her fifth movie with Todd Haynes. So it sounds like you are in for a watch party with Todd Haynes. I I, I watched the press conference, and I heard that, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, So, yeah, this was a, a, a really, really great film, and it was exciting to see it at the premiere, so... Okay. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Julianne Moore. I will say your feeling that you're in with Todd Haynes, I am in that emotion with Paul Thomas Anderson right now. Like I am now fully discovering <laughs> and and don't get me wrong, like I've seen I think he's made 9. I've seen 4 or 5 yeah. of his 9, so it's not like That's I haven't great. seen a ton, but like he is so good. I love I am drawn to his film style so hard right now. Yeah. So him uh of course, so Christopher Nolan is like my number 1. Yes. But then you think of like people like Paul Thomas Anderson or um oh my god. Okay, I'm not even gonna stress about directors right now. That's just like that's <laughs> no, gonna no. make that's gonna make me like have a hard headache right now. Know, but okay. Number one. So May December, Netflix. Do we know when it's releasing? It doesn't say on IMDB. I don't know if that's gonna it be It did not say. I don't think they have a release date yet. I I would assume since it's Netflix and they can release it whenever they want. I bet they'll do a fall release because then that's kind of in the the Oscar era, like the Oscar vibe, the Oscar time frame, so that they yeah. can be recognized. So this could—I mean, I didn't really mention it, but Natalie Portman is also wonderful in this movie, and I feel like I haven't seen her in something in a while, or I just haven't watched her in a while. Come and it on, was Thor. You didn't watch Thor. I'm just. Oh yes, I did. I we can forget that one. We can forget, we can forget that, forget one. that yeah. one. But <laughs> I don't know. She was just. She's very stripped back in this movie. So is Julianne Moore. And it's exciting. To, it's like two powerhouses on screen, you know? Hell so, yeah. That was all right. exciting. Number one, non-English okay. film. That's all I know. But what is yes. number one? Okay, so this was not in any competitions. I saw this Close at... Of the Flower Moon. <laughs> no. I saw this at... Um, basically, they had this IMAX cinema in Cannes. Beautiful. And it's it's like a bus ride away... A lot of movies were there, and it's the only place where they have, like, snacks and, like, kind of the American cinema vibe. And this movie's called Along Came Love. It's a French film. And this movie is about two people in France right after the Second World War. World War. And this woman, the woman was, um, basically there was this group of women who had babies with um, German soldiers right after the war and they were basically harassed and kind of pushed away from exiled from the rest of of the town that they were in and they kind of described that described that at the beginning of the film um, they're kind of like branded as like a whore and all this stuff and okay. that's the beginning of the film this woman and then it kind of goes through this relationship with this Frenchman that she meets. And there's, it's like an epic war romance movie. Um, it's not, I called it a love story and all my friends who saw it with me were like, it's not a love story because at first they're definitely in love. There's like queer elements of the story as well. There's race elements because there's an American soldier that's in it at one point, American black soldier who's in it at, some, at one point. And it's really complicated, like, mess of romance and relationships with children because she does not have a good relationship with her son because of all the things that happened when she, you know, the trauma that happened to her when she had him, basically. And the acting is amazing. 
it's just I was so moved. It was the most moved I was when I was at Cannes, and I cried like mm. so long, like afterwards. Um, and my my guy friend who's with me, he also cried with with me, and it was just so stunning. The I, I felt like no time has passed had passed when I finished the movie. Um, what else can I say? The color tone was like so beautiful. It felt like it was definitely very French. Like if you'd seen like a portrait of a lady on fire, it kind of reminded me of that. Like color tone, it was like very nostalgic in a way. Um, and it was you're, it was really making, sad, but it was really think good. Of, uh, what's that Timothy Chalamet, Gua- Luca Guadagnino movie? Um, <laughs> call me by your name. Because that's <laughs> when I watched that movie, it's very. I don't know. It has this very nostalgic vibrance to it. Like it's very, it's very subtle. And I don't know, mm-hmm. it, like it, it sticks with you. You know, you had mentioned this movie just really hit you. I would imagine once you were done, you and your friends couldn't stop talking about it. You're probably like a little like, oh my God, that was like overpowering, a little overwhelming. Like I, we need to talk about this. I feel like movies need to do that more rather than focus on how much money can we get? How much money can we earn off of this movie? Oh, did we get an A-list actor? It's like, hey, mm-hmm. story. make a story worth watching. Get some great talent around you. And that's what cinema is. So yeah, along came love. Okay, is this, was... uh, is this purchased by anybody? Is this... Uh, I haven't I mean, seen anything yet. I'm I've been only checking. Ratings, but I won't, I won't mention them. We're not going to talk about those ratings. <laughs> um... Yeah, I I think this was also a film that it wasn't universal in terms of my friends and I did not like I was extremely moved by this film. I don't know if everyone felt the same, but I thought that honestly some of my friends said that it was almost American in certain ways, like it, I think it could be commercially successful in terms of like it's very much a love story, it's very sad like you're gonna cry like it's very painful to watch it's at a very you know tough time politically um and the acting is just great and it's you know romantic and sensual and and sad and i don't know i just think it's definitely appealing to a certain audience especially like in the states i think so okay who knows i hope it i hope it comes out here i don't know if i'll ever see it again to be honest but i hope i do love along came love all right so we have your we have your ranking, which, by the way, thank you for putting that together. I can imagine watching a lot of very unknown films and piecing together your thoughts and trying to figure out what how did I feel when I watched these. That's not the easiest thing. So I have to ask now that we have the ten, and even honestly, let's go up to your twenty four. Is there a sing? What's the movie on here that you're like? I believe this could contend for best picture out of all, like just the way the Oscars are, the way that they they typically choose a film. Because you have a bunch of, and it could even be best international. If there's one that's like, hey, best international film. Is there any on this list that speak to you? May December. May December. Okay. I think that could definitely be in contention, uh, a contender for the Oscars. Um. The movie that won the Palme d'Or is called Anatomy of a Fall. I missed it. I was supposed to see it one day. I couldn't end up couldn't going or I couldn't go, and it was such a bummer. But I like once it won, I was like, dang. <laughs> um, but I heard nothing but good things, so that could possibly be a contender for best uh, international, um, especially because 
usually the Palme d'Or has some conversation in the Oscars, or at least, you know, potential, like, shortlist or something, so we'll nice. see. Okay. But December, I hope it does, because I think it's a really, it's definitely an uncomfortable film. Like, I think a lot of the concept is pretty uncomfortable, and you're like, how is this real? But if we I get a September a through November release on Netflix, I think they're we're, they're in good standing. But if they release it in December and or, you know, July, I just, I don't know. It just, I, I don't think many people are going to watch a bunch of streaming movies in July. They're either going to be doing stuff outside or they're going to go to Barbie Seeing, and Oppenheimer yeah. <laughs> and these right. big, big movies that are coming out in the summer. Because the, the summer yep. does have a lot of movies. For sure. Um, any last notes on Can before we wrap up? Um, I mean, I got to go to the Quentin Tarantino presentation and, and Q&A. And he was there, was, right? He, oh, yeah, he was there. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Um, he, and he sat and watched the movie with us, which was pretty cool. Which which movie? So he presented a movie that's an inspiration of his. Um, and it was called Rolling Thunder. I've never Rolling seen it Thunder. before. Okay. I think it's pretty well known. It's like a 70s or maybe before that. Uh, it, it didn't make your top 10. So I nope. imagine it was, <laughs> it's very, it's, it's, it's pretty dated. I would say like, it's, it's a revenge movie. It feels very Tarantino. Like, okay. I understand why it was his inspiration and he's an interesting guy after hearing him speak in prison. I don't know how I feel about him, but he, he um, is an interesting guy like through and through. Yeah. I mean, some stuff, he, I feel like he's very unafraid, which honestly I respect in some ways but there's some stuff that he says that i'm like eh, like he tells the line sometimes but it was very cool to to be there and and very exciting um another was another interesting experience was the night of indiana jones we randomly met this photographer my friend and i who gave us tickets to the premiere right after indiana jones which was called black flies which definitely will get an american release it's a sean penn film Oh, and nice. and so we went to that premiere and the other actor in it with him is a guy called ty sheridan he was the lead in ready player one that's where i knew him from before oh nice okay um that was a and i don't i'm not going to use this word lightly but that was a traumatic movie like it was it's really low on my list because it was kind of awful to watch like wow. um and I know that there's movies, obviously, with serious topics and heavy, heavy moments, but this was just, like, trauma, like, trauma porn. I kind of hate mm-hmm. that phrase, but, like, that's kind of what it was because yeah. it's basically about these two paramedics, NYPD paramedics, uh, in, you know, not the great areas of New York or the, the, the poor areas of New York. And it was just scene after scene of, tra- of traumatic experiences. Um, wow. And I don't really understand the point of it. I was going to ask, does it feel necessary? Because some of those, like we mentioned earlier with, I believe it was Four Daughters, um, those films feel necessary. Like they feel like they they need to be told, even though they're exceptionally raw and difficult to watch. Yeah. Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, No. no. (laughs) It was a French director who I think is pretty reputable. Um, And it was long and... I, at first, I thought I was going to like it. I was like, oh, this seems like, you know, very commercial and like would do well. But it was it was just painful. It was just painful to watch. And I was just like, 
leaning back in my seat kind of the whole time um, wow. at the premiere. So I was, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. That, I, I appreciate you delving into that. No, thoroughly. Like I genuinely appreciate this because I, I'm so fascinated by festivals, let alone big festivals, the biggest in the world, Cannes Film Festival. You know, I, I live in Utah and we have Sundance, which is the biggest independent film festival. Yes. So I like trying to inch closer to those areas and I always, I, tr- I like to ask a question to my guests when they come on that kind of, I don't know, I, that I sparked in my mind during our conversation. So the question I'm going to ask you is who, actor, director, staff member of any kind when it comes to a movie, is your favorite person to listen to in an interview talk about movies or in, an, in a video clip or anything that you just love the way they talk about film? That is a tough question. Or who's the one that comes to mind, at least right now? It might not be your favorite, but one that you've enjoyed. Huh. I guess I really, hmm, I really like how, this is an actress, but I really like how Kate Winslet talks about her movies. I think she is really, I don't know why she came to mind, but she's clearly cares so much about the work. She's really unafraid to be completely stripped back. Um, She's gone through a lot in her life, especially with like Titanic and she, I feel like she's been criticized a lot for like very meaningless reasons. Um, and yeah, I really love hearing her talk about her work. Um, so that's an actress, I guess director. I really love to listen to, um, to Ryan Johnson. Oh, like you, are big, <laughs> I mean, you are big Ryan Johnson fan. You are big Ryan Johnson fan. And he is so fun. Like he on, on like another end of the spectrum, he's like so funny about his work. And I did get to see him in person last year, which was very cool. Um and he's kind of just like very playful. And I'm like, you're literally like I, I think he's with knives out, I just think he's like a genius. And I don't know how he comes up with that stuff. And he's very kind of I don't know, playful about it and like not flippant, but just like yeah, I just kind of, you know. Kind of <laughs> he seems very like, oh, I, yeah, I winged it. Like, it worked yeah, out. I'm glad it did. did it. Yeah. Um, so I think he's funny. But, but yeah, I guess those are two people who I, I thought of. How about you? Nice. Uh, yeah, recently, I mean, because, of course, Christopher Nolan, that's why well, I fell in love basically. with his work because of the way yeah. he talks about film. But mm-hmm. recently, I don't know if I, I've listened to somebody who has a better balance of his passion of life and his passion of film and that is Bradley Cooper. I think he is Ooh. exceptional to listen to. He is obsessed with his life with his daughter and so he loves true. spending time with his his daughter, but he also loves filmmaking. He he just the way he talks about it is so eloquent but also loose and very meaningful and it, there's a lot of purpose behind everything he does, which is why he's been working on Maestro for 4 years and that will debut uh this fall which is he's my pick for best director he's my early early pick despite all the incredible movies coming out this year that is my most anticipated movie yeah i'm very very excited leonard bernstein because i'm obviously a huge musical theater girl and so i i love leonard bernstein and i'm so excited to see what he does yeah and he said this is a relationship film not a biopic about one person which i like because I think that adds the emotional element that we missed in Tar, in my opinion. I think Tar mm, missed because mm-hmm. it was very so centric to one person, and I, I want more of that. I want more of that relationship. How does this person, you know, fare with 
the close people in their lives. So yeah, Bradley yes. Cooper. I think that's my pick. Love that. Um, okay, could I say like my final thoughts really quickly? Yes, please. Okay, so I mentioned that one thing I learned, uh, or one thing I learned earlier, but I guess the main thing is that besides like objectively bad movies, there truly is no good or bad films. Everything is so subjective. My it, the exciting part about going to Cannes was getting to talk about it with, or getting to talk about all the movies that I saw with all the people that I was with. I was on the trip with about 30 kids. So we all had different opinions, like very varying different opinions. And just meeting new people there, getting to hear their takes and opinions is really exciting because I disagreed a lot with with people's opinions. And I kind of figured out more my taste on this um, trip because I feel like I tend to like everything and I'm kind of learning like what really catches my attention and what keeps me engaged. But like my main thing is like trust your own opinion because everything is so subjective and and you could just have a completely different opinion from someone else on a film because of your own personal experience or whatever moves you, whatever gets you emotionally stimulated. So yeah, that's what I learned. Trust your own opinion. There could not be a better message for film lovers today. We, I feel like this is a very pretentious art. I think people, yes. they like to kind of put themselves on a pedestal because of numbers or figures or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. But that is a great, great lesson. So thank you. Leah, thank you for joining. Seriously, the first podcast of After Credits. This so was exciting. awesome. Nearly two hours and I'm here for it. So oh my gosh. yes, I hope that I hope that you'll come back because we have a massive summer of movies coming up. We have so, excited. so many films. We have so many different festivals. We have awards season that will obviously be um, at the end of the year into next year. So, so many different things coming up. But thank you. Yes. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on the Cannes Film Festival. Of course it was. I just feel so lucky to have gone and I really hope everyone gets to go at some point because it's... You know, if you're interested in film, it's basically the the hub of, it's the of everything film. It's, it's the <laughs> I have, I mean, <laughs> I, have I mean, there's the Oscars. There, there's the Oscars. <laughs> so I, I, I think that that goes right in line. But for a festival, that is peak. Yeah. You can't. You now will not have it a was, better experience. I, I'm sorry. It was exciting. Also, I just want to plug. Follow my letterbox because I'm putting a lot of. I'm slowly putting all my reviews from Cannes, and I think it's fun to see before movies come out what people say, and there won't be spoilers. So. Okay, what's your letterbox? Um, what's my your... letterbox is just I th- shoot. Um, <laughs> my letterbox. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, it's L de la Porta, so L D E L L A P O R T A. Um, and yeah, I'm putting all my rankings and reviews for that, and probably lists. I'll do like my top ten can. So. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Go follow Leah on Letterboxd. And if you do on Letterboxd, you should definitely jump on Letterboxd. It's a fun community. It's great. Don't don't worry about any comparisons, like Leah said. Just rate your own movies, feel your own feels. Don't look at my watch list because it's embarrassing. <laughs> don't yeah, I have a lot of films on my watch list, so that's okay. Yeah, me too. I'm in a Paul Paul Thomas Anderson vibe right now, so that's what we're going with. But great. thank you everybody. Seriously, have a great week. We will see you next time. Peace. Bye.